Happy Tuesday morning. We've got some sun shining here in the metropolitan New York area. Good morning, Wiz. How are we doing today? Hi, doing pretty good. Not too bad. Uh, looking over the uh, some results of the uh, of the NFL draft and seeing how teams did, and then uh, of course uh, a little bit down the road, we're gonna you know uh, look at the fantasy impact of uh, of these uh, rookies and uh, see how it plays out for the upcoming season as well. Yeah, absolutely, and it was uh, a, a lot of fun watching the draft this weekend. A little different style, the glitz and glamour removed, as we talked about uh, when we did the first half of the AFC. Uh, and today we're going to start with the uh, AFC South um, and, and continue our review of the drafts. And um, we're going to start with the Houston Texans, who who came into this uh, Houston, uh, who came into this draft um, with no number one pick uh, after uh, the Laramie Tunsil trade. You know, so they were able to do, I thought, two things in this draft: uh, Ross Blacklock from TCU at, at at the 40th selection, which was their first pick of the draft, and then. At the end of the draft, an interesting player who you're going to speak a little bit about, and it's Isaiah Coulter from uh, the University of Rhode Island, and we haven't heard too many uh, Rhode Island Rams uh, for NFL drafts. Yeah, you know, uh, listen, it was a, it was the type of draft where ideally you'd like to have uh, a lot of picks, but uh, unfortunately the Texans do trades and uh, – uh, they've only they only had five picks. Uh, their their second round pick, which was their first pick, uh, Ross uh, Blacklock from uh, TCU. I thought was you know could have been a first rounder, so I thought he was good, uh, a good solid pick for their overall first pick, which was 40th overall. At the end, I, I like the pick of Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island. I think he's a player that actually uh, could contribute right away uh, to, with with Fuller. Uh, Stills and Cooks as the receivers for the Texans coming into the season. Not exactly three guys I would label as Ironmen. Um, so I, I think Coulter has a good chance of getting in there. And one other player uh, with their fourth round pick, you know, uh, one of the underrated cornerbacks, um, John Reed from Penn State, I thought was also a pretty good pick. So I, I got to say, I thought the Houston Texans, the fact that they only had limited picks, did well with their picks. I know Bill O'Brien was trying to make a deal during this draft. Uh, that was one of the more colorful moments uh, when he was getting into a little squabble at one point, and <laughs> all caught on video. But that's, uh, you know, the, in, in this new virtual uh, draft, it was kind of one of the funnier scenes. So, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I agree. There was, you know, the, the, he seemed uh annoyed at uh at some point in the draft but uh yeah i just i wanted to just other mention really quickly that their, their their third round pick which was their second pick jonathan grenard from from florida also is a good pick and uh you know they have some aging guys on the defensive side of the ball and uh, i think he'll uh he's going to help them as well so as i mentioned not too many picks but i thought they did well with what they had all right, fabulous. And, uh, you know, a team that did have a lot of picks in this draft, and that was the Jaguars. And a lot of pressure for this uh, team at the moment. You know, they're in a tricky spot. We, You know, they don't – they only play five – or sorry, six home games. Uh, you know, going to play two games in London this year. Uh, Doug Marone and, and the staff 
under some pressure to perform a team that was one series away from the Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago, but finds themselves in, in rebuild mode, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and, and they made a concentrated effort to, to fix that in this draft. Two really impressive picks in the first round uh, in C.J. Henderson and, 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 uh, and Chase on the linebacker from LSU. Um, you know, they went to the offensive line uh, to get Ben Bartz from small college, uh, St. John's in Minnesota. And I know a player that you really liked in this draft uh, from an offensive weaponry standpoint, and that was the wide receiver from Colorado, LaVisca Chenault. So, you know, given that they had all these picks, you know, is, 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 do you think the Jaguars actually set out to do what they needed to do here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought, uh, you know, when we were, when we were going over, you know, the, the mock drafts uh, and uh, analysis uh before before the season started, uh, you know, I think I think we we realized that they were going to make a lot of picks uh, on the defensive, you know, the defensive side of the football early. You know, Henderson was on everyone's board the second best cornerback um, into this draft after Akuda, so he was picked early. But I, I think if he was uh, if that was a position that you wanted to address, I was fine with that. Chase on. Uh, with their second pick, twentieth overall, uh, helping another another solid pick. I feel that Lavisca Chenault is going to be a better receiver than several receivers that were drafted earlier than him. So I really like him as well. And then uh, Ben Brock from St. John's of Minnesota uh, is, is was solid, as well as uh, Josiah Scott from Michigan State, also at cornerback. So I think they they really address their need cornerback with with some of those picks on the defensive side of the football and I like Chanel to be uh, a good combination uh, with Shark and uh, and D.D. Westbrook in terms of receivers so I thought Jacksonville had a lot of picks they made some of them count some of them were just okay to me so um, I I think they they kind of addressed the areas that they needed to. And I, I do like this receiver group as you mentioned you know the one interesting part and I I think you talked about this that you know potentially with that ninth pick depending on how things kind of played out it, there was a potential for actually quarterback to be part of the decision process here and uh, it didn't become the case however they did draft um uh, Jake Luton from Oregon State. Not saying that he w- he would come in and challenge Minshew, but you know to start the season, it looks like it's going to be Minshew's ball, um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out uh, over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're Gardner Minshew, you're looking at the totality of the Jags draft, and you're breathing a big sigh of relief. I mean, they really could have drafted a quarterback, even you know, with with maybe not with their one of their first round picks, but they could have, they had a couple of fourth round picks uh, that they could have taken a quarterback that I believe would have really put some pressure on Minshew and 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 challenged him for the starting spot. But I, I think the Jags are going to roll with Minshew unless they address one of those free agent quarterbacks. Well, Dalton's not a free agent quarterback. Uh, he, he probably could be had in some sort of a trade and, or Cam Newton. So we'll have to see. But I, I think Minshew escaped in just in terms of the draft where he feels pretty good about being the starting quarterback coming into the season. 
All right, it's fantastic. And uh, a team that didn't have a number one pick, uh, basically DeForest Buckner became that, uh, as you talked about, um, you know, post-draft. So no number one pick, but they were a day two focus point for us in that they had the 30, what was it, the 34th and the 41st pick in the second round. Um, and, you know, interesting direction. I, I know you had your running backs kind of bunched together at the top. You know, at 41, they went with Jonathan Taylor, who, who did all kinds of damage at Wisconsin. Yes, some fumbling issues, but, you know, a real workhorse back. A guy that was really talked up uh, post-combine, and that was Michael Pittman, whose dad played running back um, in the NFL. So they took him with their first pick of the second, uh, of the second round. And an interesting thing, uh, two other interesting things that I thought they did, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't realize, but the University of Utah had a pretty strong defense this year. Julian Blackman, the safety from from Utah, 7 of 12 of of the defensive, all defensive Pac-10, Pac-12, I should say, ended up coming from the Utah Utes. And they went with a quarterback in the fourth round, and that was Jacob Eason. I know a player that you really like. So why don't you talk a little bit about your views on on what the Colts did? Yeah, if you count as far as Buckner as their first-round pick, which I'm going to because they traded it straight up for the 13th overall pick, I think that's an outstanding trade. I, you know, I, I've talked about that trade. I felt it was outstanding for both teams. I like Pittman. Uh, I had him in that group of wide receivers. I thought that would pick was fine. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to mean serious trouble for Marlon Mack and running back. I think he fits that, that, that system, what they want to do perfectly. Blackman's, you know, Julian Blackman from Utah is rock solid. I feel Jacob Eason will be the starting quarterback. Um, for the Colts in 2021, and Danny Pinter as well, uh, offensive line joining already probably the most uh, heralded offensive line in the NFL, just gives them tremendous depth at that position. So if you, if you count Buckner as, as their first round pick, I quite frankly feel their first six picks were, were tremendous. After that, uh, kind of average. Nothing seems uh, you know so so you know so great to me but you know when you make six picks like that again if you're counting Buckner as the first pick um, I thought the the Colts had an outstanding draft and I think you add that to probably one of the stronger rosters out there you know I know they had to contend with the loss of uh, you know a sudden loss of of Andrew Luck at the start of uh, you know right before the the NFL season started but uh, you know Philip Rivers if he can stabilize a little bit from what we saw last year and the rest of this roster, as you mentioned, the O-line. And, and there are offensive weapons on this team. So I, I've got some real excitement here around the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Well, it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But any, anytime you, you start off with your offensive line being as strong as the Colts, uh, it's, it's a good starting point and it, it's much easier to, to, to work around that. So, um, um, I, I'm optimistic for the Colts as well. Yeah, we talk about that, right? That unit, every starter started every game. And the offensive line, the ability for your offense uh, to stay on the field and move the clock and preserve your defense, you know, there's a tremendous amount of dynamics around that. So, And, and we, we know Phillip Rivers is not fleet of foot, so uh, he will need that protection. And unfortunately, they didn't give that to – luck over the years, but now that, that, is, that is the strongest unit in the NFL. So 
Good stuff. All right. So let's see if they can wrangle uh, the title of the division away from the Tennessee Titans. You know, we felt that the Titans needed to do a couple of different things. Uh, they lost Conklin, their offensive lineman. Uh, Deion Lewis signed with the Giants, so they were out there backup running back, and, and they let Ryan Logan go in free agency. So those were the spots they needed to address. Mariota also um, obviously is no longer part of the uh, future for the Titans. He's moved on to Las Vegas with the Raiders. And basically, the Titans addressed all of those in this particular draft. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Thomas was the more heralded offensive lineman uh, from Georgia, but the other tackle, Isaiah Wilson, was their first pick. I, I expected the Titans to draft an offensive lineman with their first uh, or second round pick uh, because I, what they want to do is they want to run the ball and they want to do everything off that run game on offense. So Isaiah Wilson's a fine pick, their first pick, 29th overall. Christian Fulton with his second round pick, 61st overall, I think could have been a late first round pick. So tremendous value there. Darrington Evans for that. Appalachian State with their third round pick is a good compliment and the type of guy that they wanted to draft, uh, you know, to be the change of pace guy behind Henry. So uh, they also drafted Cole McDonald from Hawaii, I thought was at, at pick 224 of the draft. It was really good value. So they, they only had six picks. I think they accomplished what they wanted, which was offensive line, cornerback, Give Henry a change of pace guy, uh, you know, and, and and they were able to accomplish that with only, you know, six picks and three of them I thought were, were, were really strong there. So um, I think the Titans kind of had a strategy and um, they pretty much were able to do that. All right, superb. So that wraps up uh, the AFC South and we'll move out to the West and the Denver Broncos who came into this filled draft with, 12 draft picks, which was a nice position to be in. Um, it seems like John Elway decided that he was going to fight fire with fire. When you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and the offense that they assembled, uh, the Denver Broncos basically took an approach to say, hey, you know, we need to get better on that side of the ball. This is a team that does have a good defense, still has some, you know, guys like Von Miller on the on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, they did add um, they did add a, a defensive lineman in Ogham from 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 Arkansas. But they made a lot of adjustments on the de- uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Cushenberry, the center from LSU. Uh, Locke ends up getting his um, tight, uh, tight end from Missouri. Um, so that will be very interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, you got to be very happy if you're Drew Locke and you see the attention that was given to this offense. Uh, and, and certainly this is going to be one of the more interesting divisions as we move forward in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I love the Judy pick. I feel he was probably the most polished wide receiver, and I don't think that many people in their organization, when they did their mock drafts, had Judy available at 15. He was. I thought they followed that up with a head-scratcher. I don't really understand this K.J. Hamlet pick from Penn State at 46. I had about 10 receivers, maybe even 15, rank higher than that wide receiver at that spot. So I thought they started their draft out with a, with a very solid pick. Jerry Judy is the type of guy that is going to be a guy that Drew Locke goes to a lot on third down. He has a tremendous route running uh, ability, um, you know, how to get open, and I think he's going to be a favorite talk, target of Locke. 
fairly quickly. Uh, again, I didn't like the hammer pick. Um, Michael J. Mudia from Iowa is, uh, is, is, was another good pick at cornerback. Um, he could have been picked in probably the second round. He was picked 77 in the third round. And then, as you mentioned, they took locks, uh, uh, tight end at Missouri um, with their fourth round pick and some other picks. Okay, I mean, I, I I think if they could have nailed wide receiver, wide receiver, and with a better second pick, I'd be more optimistic about it. But I, I think the Broncos did okay, not great, not horrible. I put them just as okay as far as the draft ranking goes. All right, fantastic. And you know, the Chiefs, uh, the defending Super Bowl champions come into this draft, not a lot of picks, but it's still a very, very intact and strong roster. And I know you speculated at the end uh, in in our um, pre-draft segment that, uh, you know, Andy Reid could go in an interesting direction with that last pick, so I'm going to let you talk about that. You know, they they, they only had six picks. They went with a couple of players that had some talent, but, um, you know, a guy like Willie Gay, who definitely had some issues with some disciplinary stuff uh, in, in college. And Lucas Neong from uh, TCU, the offensive lineman who had an injury story. So given that the Chiefs did not have a lot, you know, are the picks that they made something that can help this team out? Yeah, and so, uh, you know, looking at it, I thought most of their picks were going to be on the defensive side of the football. That was one of their picks I figured needed to be on the offensive line. Uh, they 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 drafted a, uh, an offensive tackle. Uh, I, I really like the Willie Gay pick with the second pick, 63 overall. Um, I, I think he, uh, because of, as you mentioned, some off-the-field stuff, kind of fell down a little bit in terms of talent. I had a much higher grade on him. And then I, I was talking about in the mock draft that, Andy Reid may have uh, a player that he looks at, and uh, I, you know, I call it an Andy Reid special. And that was Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who he selected. Every single running back was on the board, and he selected Edwards-Helaire, who is an elite route running. You know, he runs routes like a wide receiver from the running back. And, and that's, that's terrific, especially with someone like Pat Mahomes, who can get you the ball quickly. Um, I'm not sure he can be a workhorse guy. I'm not sure what the thinking is there with Andy Reid. I'm, I'm nobody to, you know, I'm, you know, nobody should really doubt Andy Reid and what he plans to do on offense. Definitely not. But I think he may use a few guys at that running backs position, not really use anybody as a workhorse. And uh, we'll we'll see the fantasy impact, but certainly Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as a receiver is going to be utilized and be quite effective for Kansas City this upcoming season. You know, one of my favorite uh, fantasy guys uh, in the day was Villanova's Brian Westbrook. And when you hear Reed um, using the same comparisons or in the same sentence, uh, that kind of excites me. So, like like you said, I am interested to see the direction that that goes. You know, we know Damian Williams has done a good job there, but this will just add another dimension to an already impre- impressive offense. And then we're going to move to the Las Vegas Raiders. We're saying Las Vegas for the first time. The stadium looks great. Too bad the draft could not be held there. Uh, but they'll get it back in 2022. Um 
you know, Mike Mayock and John Gruden going back at it for the second time. And Mayock was always a very thorough guy when it came to his draft analysis when he was working with the NFL Network. And now he's in charge of a team. So, you know, I know you're going to talk a little bit about this draft because there's some stuff that you liked about it and some stuff that you're feeling is very questionable. I'd say starting from the top when when they go for a speed demon like Henry Ruggs to start with the num- the first receiver off the board, maybe a little bit surprising. So that's, that's the first thing, um, you know. This team seems to have a little bit of a pipeline uh, into Clemson where they went with Tana Muse and John Simpson, uh, a linebacker and an offensive lineman there. Um, and then they, with the second round pick, uh, sorry, with their second pick of the first round, they went with Damon Arnett from Ohio State. And then two interesting picks on the offensive side in Lynn Bowden, who led Kentucky in rushing, receiving, and Passing, which is kind of an interesting statistic, but he was forced into the quarterback position. So he's kind of one of these Swiss Army Knife guys. And then they drafted with the um, 81st pick right after Bowden. That was Brian Edwards from South Carolina. So Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I thought the Raiders had – the word I would use was interesting draft. I think they, they attacked the positions that they definitely needed. Wide receiver – cornerback, and then a hybrid guy uh, in Bowden. I'm just not sure they took the right players for those positions. Every, you know, for Henry, Henry, Henry Ruggs being the first wide receiver taken, a little bit of a head scratcher to me, considering that the type of receiver he is and the type of offense that the Raiders run, I mean, Derek Carr is not really one to take chances. He wants to kind of be conservative on offense. He doesn't really react to pressure well. I felt Judy or CeeDee Lamb would fit the Raiders' offense much better than Henry Ruggs. Uh, I'm not sure what the thinking was there, uh, unless they're going to revamp their offense and the plays they've been running uh, on that. Uh, is good, but I, I think he's uh, a player that was taken a little bit earlier. Now you got to remember that after pick 19, the Raiders weren't picking again until pick 80, so it's not like they could have waited and tried to get that player in the second round. They never second round pick. I thought it was a you know they got him a little early. Lynn Bowden, I guess they're going to use as a hybrid player. I'm not sure how much that's going to affect Josh Jacobs in terms of the run game, but I, I, their best pick, in my opinion, was Bryant Edwards, third round. 81st overall, I thought he could have been picked and graded much, much earlier than that, certainly in the second round. So from a value standpoint, the pick that stands out to me is Brian Edwards, and they addressed their two needs, wide receiver and cornerback, which I felt they were going to take with those two first-round picks. I just don't think those are the two right players. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I looked a little bit, you know, so we know back in the day, Al Davis used to have, like to have these flash picks here and there. And it's funny, in 2018, the, the Raiders ranked near the bottom for yards per attempt uh, in passing. I was very surprised when I when I looked it up that last year they were actually seventh in the NFL. So I don't know if there's something that's going to magically change here. I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I think Carr has become a bit gun shy, especially post post that traumatic leg injury that he had. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they have something up their sleeves. I have no idea. You know, I listened to a Gruden interview post draft. You know, the exuberance when he was talking about the players that they had selected was was very strong. Again, I know a lot of players and teams do that. Um, but look, it's it's a good story for the Raiders to be a a good football team again and, and be a uh, prominent part of the 
playoff discussion, and and the West is going to be an interesting division. So hopefully it works out. But I think your 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 assessment is definitely bang on in, in that there was some surprises in that group. Yep. All right, and we'll finish up with the Chargers uh, and the Chargers. You know, this is um, this was a lot of speculation on that on that pick. They didn't have a lot of picks in this draft. Uh, that they had draft, they were drafting number six overall. They traded back in into the first round. You know, and I think we talked about this in, in, in the pre-draft, you know, their ability to potentially keep both Melvin Ingram and, and Joey Bosa, you know, maybe that's a challenge for them to do. So they went and potentially addressed that situation with the drafting of Kenneth Murray and drafting and, and trading back into the first round. And an interesting pick at running back with pick number 112, and that was Joshua Kelly um, from 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 uh, UCLA and two wide receivers where this is a team that really doesn't have a third wide receiver option, Joe Reed from Virginia, and they took KJ Hill from Ohio state. So Wiz, how are you seeing the charger draft? Yeah, I think they put out some smoke that they weren't going to take uh, a quarterback with their six pack. I felt the entire way that they would take a quarterback. I'm not sure if they were trying to get uh, some, some nibbles on a trade, uh, Herbert at six is, is is fine. Uh, I think you know in a, in, a, in a regular normal type of draft where there weren't such needs and and different things going on of that nature. Uh, you know, I'm not sure he'd be taken that early, but the pick made sense. Kenneth Murray, I believe, was a pick that was made also in the first round with the idea that they're not going to be able to sign Ingram and Bosa, who contracts run out after you know next season so I think that's kind of in mind to, to get a, that type of player to replace one or both of those players uh, Joshua Kelly is going to be an interesting player to see how he mixes with Eckler and Jackson uh, and then I, I like I, you know in terms of value I think that two best picks that they made were Joe Reed from Virginia you know in the fifth round pick 151 and KJ Hill in the seventh round pick 220 just from a value standpoint I believe one or both of those players will make the team uh, and uh, you know and, and I think Herbert and Tyra Taylor are going to kind of have the same situation as Tyra Taylor and Baker Mayfield a few years ago where He'll start off with Taylor, and then at some point, Herbert will work his way in there. Uh, they have a good supporting cast, as you mentioned. So um, I, I think the, the, the Chargers had an okay draft. I think they, they kind of made some picks looking at their future uh, as opposed to desperately you know, going for players that they needed just this year. And I think that's... Uh, that that's exemplified by the Kenneth Murray pick, uh, you know, with the twenty third pick overall. As you know, the emotions got the best of me last year. I, I had that team going to the Super Bowl, so uh, <laughs> a little bit off yeah, there. But I mean, but it's a talented roster, right? Like a lot of questions at quarterback, but the roster is still a good roster. Uh, but that's a strong division, absolutely. All right. It is. All right, superb. So uh, that's going to be it for the AFC. We're going to come back at you with the NFC next. We'll cover it in two parts. And uh, Wiz, thank you very much. Uh, Lots of fun as always. 